You ascend the mountain effortlessly, your spells protecting you from the stinging Himalayan winds. There is such confidence in your step, such unyielding assurance. You have changed the 20 years since you first dared these trackless peaks. But Doctor Strange was a mere man then, bitter, spiteful, avaricious, and grim as death. Now, so the whispered legends would have us believe, you are far more. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 34th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time, or we normally do. This week it's a little different, but how's it going this week for you, Drew? It's, it's going all right. How, how, how is it different? I don't understand. I'm, I'm afraid of change. Uh, you better start embracing it, buddy. Uh, oh, no. But first, you can follow, I just want to let everybody know you can follow the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or on Twitter at strangerbythe12, on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen, or on our podcast network site at cradoline.com. So, this week, we leave regular comics behind Wait, and make <laughs> our... Face. Yeah, we make our way into Shambhala. Oh man, not just a Wi-Fi password anymore. That's my joke, Drew, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Into Shambhala is a Marvel graphic novel. Um, you know, the er- in like the early 80s, Marvel st- started putting out these graphic novels... They're, I mean, they're what they're what they kind of say on the void on the uh, on the on the box. They're usually about like sixty to seventy pages long, with you know soft cover with glossy um, color p- pages and stuff. Um, the first one's pretty well known. It's the death of Captain Marvel. It's where Captain Marvel died from cancer. Um, and then and that was I, the, the old uh, Captain Marvel uh, Marvel. Yes. Okay. Um, and then. I think probably the two most famous ones generally are um, the New Mutants graphic novel, which kicks off the New Mutants comic book line, I'd say. And then the other one is an X-Men one is an X-Men graphic novel called uh, God Loves Man Kills, which is like part part of the of that story um, was made into the second X-Men movie. Ah. So you know, and they're they're all pretty fun. I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to actually speak super authoritatively on all of the graphic novels, but it's a cool idea just to kind of have these, um, you know, prestige, larger books that kind of usually tell self-contained stories, or maybe they're like it's either self-contained stories for existing comics, or maybe the premiere of a new team or superhero. So in that way, they sort of form as like a TV movie of a, of the week that sort of leads to a, a, a weekly series on a, on TV or something like that. Oh, neat! Yeah, kind of like how that Doctor Strange movie was supposed to do that. Exactly, exactly like that, actually. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, into Shambhala is a pretty interesting work. You know, Shambhala, of course, besides or perhaps the reason why it became the Wi-Fi password in the Doctor Strange movie is because Shambhala is this sort of, you know, mystical city slash kingdom from Tibetan and Hindu or from Buddhist from Tibetan Buddhist and Hindu um, traditions. 
it's a lost city and sort of has some, you know, some similarities to like Shangri-La or Brigadoon or other sort of mystical things as far as I can understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they all sort of get mashed around in our Western understanding of all this stuff, of course. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, as far as my knowledge goes, it's like uh, Shambhala kind of falls into those kind of mystical places in... Uh, kind of the Far East regions, uh, much along the lines of, like, El Dorado and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's a good good thing to name your, um, you know, Full Metal Alchemist um, fe- feature-length movie about and stuff, you know? Uh, whatever. Heck, heck yes, it was. <laughs> or for uh, for Nathan Drake to go looking for in, uh, in, un- in, in an Uncharted game or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Whole bunch of blue dudes just bouncing around there. It's Always. Kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... So, Into Shambhala is a pretty interesting graphic novel in that it's not really a graphic novel, I want to say. Um, I'm going to try to post a whole bunch of pictures from it this week, but the big thing is that it's got a really interesting story style. It's, it's told almost exclusively in the second person, sort of, with a narrator talking to, to Doctor Strange as, like, you. Like, you, Stephen Strange, you're doing this. This happens to you, etc. Hmm. Um, and it's not really told through like standard dialogue boxes and word balloons. It's more just sort of stand like big calligraphy text, sort of on the page. And there aren't like there's very few word bubbles. There's like maybe seven word bubbles in the whole uh, comic. And otherwise, it's just a a constant steady narration. Right. Um. But the art's really awesome. Uh. The uh. The art's done by by Dan Green, and he does a, a really amazing painted style that's very distinctive and stuff. No, it's it definitely like reminiscent of kind of a watercolor style, and it looks really, really good. Yeah. Um, I will say that I think of the two sort of standalone graphic novels that Doctor Strange is in, this one is the weaker of the two, because the other one is where Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom team up for the, uh, the Trial and Torment. <laughs> And oh yeah, that one's really good. That's like the greatest thing ever, and so yeah, <laughs> this one's gonna gonna pale in comparison. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like as much as there's a bunch of crazy stuff, a, a bunch of crazy, like interesting, amazing stuff in this comic, it's not gonna compare to Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom going into hell and fighting Mephisto. You know that just yeah, that, that it was can't be done. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to it eventually, of course. But yeah, yeah, of course. I just want to sort of put it out there. But sort of, you know. And so this, and so I just wanted to kind of spend some time with on this episode, kind of just diving deep into this thing, talking about sort of its storyline. There's some interesting concepts and some weird and some some like odd choices that Doctor Strange makes. Um, I think Doctor Strange is oddly written in this story, which I think is something we can talk about as well. But sort of all that said, uh, without further ado, let's go into let's delve into the a Marvel graphic novel, Doctor Strange into Shambhala. Uh, story and script by J. M. Demetrius. Story and art by Dan Green. Letters by Ken Bruzenak. Editor editor Carl Potts. Assistant editor Rosemary McCormick Lowry. Editorial consultant Margaret Clark, editor in chief Jim Shooter. So, in this comic especially, I think uh, Ken Bruzenak, the uh, the letterer, really gets a ch- uh, his time to shine, just because 
all the lettering in this book is 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 a a steady stream of like calligraphied letters and stuff that's very um you know as to sort of the gothic feel that dr strange can get in general you know oh yeah it definitely does especially with like the the pronounced first letter of a of like yeah kind kind of like a stance yeah all the all like this sort of like it's not really divided into chapters but each sort of section starts with like this big illuminated letter and stuff it makes it a very like yeah spell booky or ancient text kind of thing you know Mm. yeah but so the story begins with Doctor Strange once again walking the, the the trackless peaks of the Himalayas as he once did, with you know in the sixties with his hands broken and all that stuff. I think it's one of the things, and Andrew, this is in your in in what you read in the opening, how things have changed in 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 the last twenty years for Doctor Strange. This book came out in, in nineteen eighty six, and it's an interesting reminder that like Doctor Strange started in nineteen sixty three. You know, mm-hmm. so there's actually less time between the start of Doctor Strange and this graphic novel than between this graphic novel and now. You know, freak out basically. Mm. <laughs> but oh, so, oh, oh man, I just realized how old I am. Uh, how old everything is, buddy. <laughs> so, Doctor Strange makes his way basically up the um, up the peaks of the Himalayas through snow and ice and into the former. Ch- uh, uh, chambers of the ancient one Mm. where you know obviously we all know the ancient one is dead and one with the universe and all that stuff right Uh, as you do yeah Yeah. but (laughs) but so dr strange sort of has been on the anniversary of the ancient one's death has sort of felt himself drawn towards the um the the sanctum of the ancient one and sort of as he sort of walks in he finds it deserted and he begins to meditate as you do and then also as you do he's attacked by a big six-armed um demon thing <laughs> but the demon and this is like so this is where we really start i guess a little bit before but now we really start to get the narrator really jumping into the story sort of as dr strange fights this demon thing because like the narrator starts being like very impressive Stephen. although deep in a trance you remain alert to every breath and shadow like in a way that's kind of complimentary to dr strange but also kind of insulting to him i guess it's very taunting yeah and we also kind of as so the uh this monster turns out to be sort of three um wandering mystics who are trying to take down Doctor Strange just because he happened to be in the area, basically. And Doctor Strange destroys, you know, sends them running, basically, with, like, barely a flick of his hand because he's such a powerful wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's also where the the narrator starts making a big deal about Doctor Strange's, um, like, how he feels arrogant, I guess? How he, um... How sort of chiding him for being really up on himself and being dismissive of these mystics and stuff, which I don't like. Uh, it doesn't feel very real to how Doctor Strange actually appears in the comics. Certain currently, you know what I mean? Right. Like he kind of, like he, as these guys um, attack him, he sort of says like um like he he, he sort of. Um, relates them to being like drunks who have drank, drank from like a cup of miracles he says and so like these guys are besotted unfortunate he doesn't see them as wizards he sees them only as uh, as fools revealed in Agamotto's light dangerous fools you know 
mm-hmm. like which is is dismissive of other wizards in a way that I don't you know seems like odd from what we've seen of how Doctor Strange interacts with people you know yeah it seems kind of like a return to the old very yeah old like even pre- a Pre like, pre uh, Sorcerer Supreme Doctor Strange. Yeah, or even like a pre Wizard Doctor Strange. Honestly. Yeah, like very arrogant. Yeah, like yeah. you know we hear um, Doctor Strange like S- Stephen kind of remembers like the Ancient One sort of chiding him as being like your ego is a for- is as formidable as a block of wood. I whittle and whittle, my blade gl- grows dull and the block remains. Which like you know I don't know Doctor we've never heard the Ancient One actually say that before. Like I don't know it seems odd. Yeah, but at the same time, as Doctor Strange fends off these uh, attackers, Hamir the Hermit, who is basically the Wong to the Ancient Ones, Doctor Strange shows up, and Wong's dad, FYI, um, but he shows up, and again, sort of out of character, we get Doctor Strange. We we get Stephen Strange's like feeling of, for Hamir of being um, like annoyed by Hamir. Annoyed mm-hmm. by his, like, friendliness and servility and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, again, also feels out of character, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe we just haven't seen inside Doctor Strange's head during his interactions with Hamir, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> but... like, what, what's, yeah, what's driving his, like, his motivations for being here? We don't, we're not exactly all that clear on it yet. But this, this the, the narrator, at least, is presenting a very jerky Doctor Strange, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I see it. Yeah, but so Hamir presents Doctor Strange with a mystic box, um, and apparently, like Doctor Strange can barely understand what Hamir is saying. He just sort of hears the word "master" and "gift," so it's a gift from the Ancient One to Doctor Strange on the anniversary of his death, or something like that. Who knows? But Doctor Strange takes the box from Hamir and returns to the Sanctum Sanctorum to sort of figure out what the deal with it is. He spends several hours sort of probing it and doesn't find anything magical about it. Then eventually he like uses, he um, he finds hinges and stuff on the, on the box and he uses magic to unfold it into sort of six squares basically. And in the inside of the box on each square is a mirror. Hmm. And the mirror is weird. Like, and Doctor Strange is determined to understand what the secret of this box is. No secret, you think, is impenetrable. For every spell, there is a counter spell. Yet, both uh, secret and spell continues to um, elude him. He studies and studies the box, saying that, like, you know, again, just showing a ton of pride, like, no secret can overcome me. Uh, men call me wizard, wonder worker, warlock, sorcerer supreme. Hmm. He continues working on the box. 40 days and 40 nights pass, and he's just overcome with failure. He can't figure out how to do it. He searched all these ancient books. He can't find anything. Until eventually, in, like, rage, he stares at the, you know, you stare at the glassy depths uh, and see your every base desire. 10,000 horrible demons reaching out to you. He, like, yells at the box, like, you're not a talisman or a charm. You don't harbor any impenetrable secrets or unfathomable spells. He's so frustrated with the box. You're just a worthless mirror, he shouts, and he throws the box against the wall, and it shatters. That's really a messed up thing to do to a gift from your master. Just saying, throwing that out there. You're long dead, master? Yeah. Yeah. So he thinks that 
So when after this, Doctor Strange now decides to uh, you know to start bargaining and realizes, oh hey, maybe this was just a test or um, like a uh, a brain teaser. Like actually, the biggest secret is um, like just that you know. Things are looking back at you, so actually sometimes it's supposed to be enchanted, but it's not, and so it's just a big fake-out or something. Nope. Then there's just a page of Doctor Strange, like, being ripped through a thousand dimensions, and one of the one of the few word bubbles um, appears in this whole book, where it's just <laughs> Doctor Strange saying, like, Oh, crap. <laughs> Which is funny, just one because, and then, and then the, and then the uh, narrator immediately gives Doctor Strange uh, a mess about this, <laughs> like, oh crap, no, uh, buy Sidorax Crimson Bands or Vi- Vipers of Valtor or Shades, Shades of, the of the Seraphim, yeah, by, <laughs> just by the hoary hosts of Hogarth. Just oh crap, like you're slowing down, Stephen Strange or something. <laughs> Come on, buddy. You're better than that. I can't believe how salty the narrator of this uh, story is, man. man. He's like a huge like, jerk. <laughs> taking every opportunity to like cut down uh, yeah. Stephen as like, much as possible. But so, Doctor Strange falls through realities and eventually into a mirror universe where he basically goes full mandala and he just hears countless voices shouting out to him in the void one word shambhala i just want to uh, point out that this page this this art this page's art yeah looks really really cool it's cool yeah there's um so on the shambhala page there's just it's like there's um there's sort of an explosion in the middle and then coming out of each side sort of like a like a king like a a face card and a deck of cards or something or four different doctor stranges with like his arms raised up so like i said like like yeah like a a mandala basically or like a sort of a, a stained glass window or something like that and then yeah. surrounding him are all these uh pieces of sh- like shards of broken glass and on each one of them there's a a doctor's uh, a face of doctor strange especially focused on like the eyes and stuff and they all have different expressions and looks and it's like some are some are worried some are screaming some are like looking at looking out intensely it's very cool but so at this point we sort of learn about shambhala a little bit um it's, you know, where the souls of history's greatest masters are said to dwell and watch and guide mankind. Doctor Strange has heard mysteries of it, and then suddenly he now finds himself floating above it, a floating above the consciousness of the unified being, the lords of Shambhala. It's this um, giant hurricane full of, like, faces and eyes and stuff. And as they speak to Doctor Strange, the uh, the writing of the book becomes basically like ecstatic basically it becomes um the word speaking to dr strange and then in parentheses sort of the feelings that dr strange feels as they talk to him you know so it goes we call upon you says the wordless words to perform a special task what is it you feel inside of you around you but basically as the lords of shambhala sort of describe this task to dr strange Doctor Strange starts to feel the presence of the Ancient One within them. And so it makes him basically implicitly trust what the Lords of Shambhala are telling him. 
Yeah. And that's rough because the Lords of Shambal are basically saying, like, we foresee a golden age. Um, a cataclysm beyond imagining will leave the world a ravaged la- a wasteland, burying the old humanity and bringing forth the new. Hmm. Um, basically, there's a spell. They they explain that there's a spell Doctor Strange has to cast, a three part spell which only an adept of his skill can can complete. When it is done, the final cataclysm will be unleashed, and the golden age will dawn. Hmm. So, basically, here's the deal: three fourths of humanity will die by fire and disease. And then they show him the slow rebuilding as the scattered survivors sow the seeds of which a new race springs forth. A race that ultimately attains the perfection humankind has so long sought. And paradise is revealed. Hey, hey, Conrad. Yeah. I want to say that I've I've seen this plotline somewhere else before. Ah, what's the matter, buddy? You don't want a golden Mm. age? A golden age sounds pretty dope, right? Even if uh, three quarters of the Earth's population has to die to get there. Where have I seen like this exact plot line before? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Anyhow, <laughs> between <laughs> the offers of these super powerful magicians, the presence of the Ancient One, which seems to um, give them sort of credence of like maybe these guys are right. Doctor Strange, sort of sitting in the uh, with the stars in his eyes, says, "Yes, he will agree to carry out this ancient spell." Ah, oh, dang! Yeah, man, it's time. It's rough. It's basically gonna. Apparently, it's gonna take advantage of like the ley lines that cover the Earth, because the ancient priests and sorcerers use geomancy to study it, and um, now he can. Doctor Strange can use that power again to find these abilities. And find the parts of this spell to then cast it. And, you know, kill three quarters of the earth. Uh, fix everything else. It's a good, you know, good sp- final solution. You know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, I would maybe maybe walk that one back there, buddy. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, first up, we gotta go to the jungles of the Yucatan. Where Cortez trample the agents the the aztecs and quetzalcoatl's power still permeates the land so dr strange uh zaps down to a step pyramid in um mexico and finds that underneath what the pyramid is another pyramid and it's he lifts it up and it's this awesome like picture of dr strange standing or i guess in the lotus position hovering over hovering on a tree branch as this huge diamond-shaped pyramid rises out of the sky and, like, you know, uh, displaces all the birds flying around there and stuff. Seriously, though, art in this book is amazing. It's really, it's real awesome. Um, So so as Doctor Strange flies into this um, pyramid to get, like, the part of the spell, I guess, various um, vines and parts of the jungle start to attack him and ensnare him and stuff. Doctor, you know, they, they, they try to stop him, but Doctor Strange, of course, cannot be stopped by such things. He'll never surrender. Instead, he sort of magics, he magically blasts them off and makes his way into the pyramid. He's sort of like, at this point, he's sort of wondering whether this is an, like, that was an attack or like a test. Like, he kind of yeah. wonders, like, all this stuff is sort of based on ancient civilizations, the Aztecs, the people from Mu, the um, 
the you know the Shambhalans, I guess. <laughs> um, right, 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 right. But they, um, but he sort of continues on and tries to and starts to work the giant orbs inside the uh, inside the temple to gain the first part of this mighty spell. He starts casting through it, making his way through elemental um, elemental magics and stuff. He begins to feel doubt as he casts it that this um, this spell is too monumental, too ancient for even him to handle. He oh, hears the doubt you say for a spell that's going to wipe out three fourths of humanity. Yeah. Mm. It, craw- it crawls him forth. He's drowning in time and doubt. And doubt. He is dying. But wait, no. And then we get our second word bubble of the uh, of the comic. He realizes that uh, the w- he says he shouts, "No! The world is an illusion. Time is an illusion. The illusion can be transcended with crazy magic hand moves." And thus, time's tidal wave ends, and the first spell fragment is restored. Doctor Strange is triumphant, and he is pr- and he ha- he's uh, proud. But he has to remember that pride is a blindfold; it blocks your view as you stagger towards the edge of a great abyss. Hmm. So next up, Strange travels to uh, southern India, where in a Hindu temple, fifteen miles outside of Bangalore. The second of the three fragments is, um, is uh, rests. Still, so, still trying to put my finger on where where I've seen this kind of story before. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Doctor Strange is now certain that what happened in Mexico is part of a concentrated attack, the work of someone or a group attempting to thwart Doctor Strange, uh, Strange and the uh, Lords of Shambhala's uh, plans for mankind's evolutionary leap i.e. killing three quarters of the earth. I don't know why anybody would want to do that. <laughs> but he managed to beat him easily enough, so he continues. But as he walks through the uh, the temp through this like uh, temple area in India, I think he comes across like a uh, a tantric like um, temple or something. I don't know. But suddenly there's ladies everywhere, Drew. Yep. And Doctor Strange, you know. He's not against the ladies. I think we've all seen that before. No, no, he's he's definitely a fan of the ladies. And as they dance and he breathes in incense and other things like that, he begins to feel his years of discipline and austerity drop away, and the shadow of the man he once was enfolds itself around him. He's no longer Doctor Strange, the dispassionate mystic. He's Doctor Strange, the vain and egotistical. And, as he always said back in those days, a man like me can never be satisfied with one woman. I swear to uh, I swear to you, even if I could divide myself into a hundred men, I'd still be hungry for more. And then, Drew, <laughs> Doctor Strange uses that spell where he makes an illusion of himself and makes like 20 Doctor Stranges to confuse people. Yep. He casts that spell. Yep. Then it's Doctor Strange and Lady Time, basically. Yep. It's a big, big sex montage, basically. Yep. <laughs> and Doctor Strange has now given himself... He's, he's sightless now, unable to appreciate their beauty, struck blind by the light of his own consuming passion. He gives himself over to it and then just drifts empty-headed and empty-souled, and he would for eternity. 
until suddenly through the uh through the light of this passion there comes a voice a presence and it just kind of said it just kind of whispers like remember remember and then it gets louder like awake the spell must be completed and eventually dr strange manages to sort of come through he again sort of states his um like the mantra that it, that got about in, in Mexico, uh, the world is an illusion. Lust is an illusion. The illusion can be transcended. And he manages to sort of break through and get to the second um, spell fragment. But now he's really shaken in his quest, I guess. Like he's cognizant that he only was able to escape the prison of lust because of that voice in his head. Yeah. And, like, that wasn't his voice. He knows. He felt the presence of someone else talking to him in that. Right. So there's somebody kind of driving him along. This isn't, like, his own will at this yeah. point. It's, mm. And it's something that is, uh, yeah, he's being either guided or driven or controlled or, gui- or uh, you know, shown the way or something. It's definitely, um, it's shaking his resolve to do this even as he travels by boat to Great Britain. Shaking his resolve to do a thing that's going to kill three fourths of the population of the earth. Yeah, okay. I know. You know right. what could it, what could such a terrible thing be? <laughs> but so the final um, the final stage of the spell must be found in like a hedge maze somewhere in England, I guess. Um, it's where the ghosts of Atlantis and Mu hover beside the ghosts of druid priests, where the ley lines intersect. Um, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. <laughs> what they do. But Doctor Strange enters this great um, hedge maze and quickly gets lost. He's he wanders as a like a sleepwalker, unable to figure out which way he'd go. Each step the wrong step, and then Doctor Strange spies the glass, a huge mirror, and the shadows deep within them. And actually, I think just like the mirror in the box, he sees. 10,000 horrible demons is every base desire reaching out to him from the mirror. Yeah. But in, in this case, it's way more like a bunch of hands and demons actually reaching out and grabbing him and pulling him into the mirror and, you know, covering his mouth so he can't scream and stuff. Now Dr. Strange is inside the mirror. The maze is gone. And before the completing part of the spell stands a dark form who introduces herself, or who Doctor Strange knows, as named Maya. Who I don't think we've met Maya before in Doctor Strange. I don't know. No, I don't think we have. But she sort of introduces herself as the Queen of Shades, the embodiment of illusion. So, and she sort of says that she's been the one who's been um, opposing Doctor Strange so far. Like, who would oppose your progress? Then she who knows that the new man the Shambhali's lord to s- lords seek to create will see only reality and have no need of me. Which is kind of interesting just because so far Doctor Strange has in fact been overcoming the various um, obstacles in his path by sort of rejecting illusion for reality. Right. Um, and I think it's like... Hmm... I, th- I think what happens here is that Maya actually makes, like, some good points to Doctor Strange, I think. Like... It's like, yo, she, man, you understand what you're about to do, right? Like, yeah, one, it'll kill everything. But also, like, 
a combination of this new race that will see only reality, will have no peace of illusion, will be against everything that has, will undo everything that is currently so blessed and so important about humanity, right? Yeah. Like, um, all the achievements of mankind will be swept away in this new age. That's part of what the apoco- what this apocalypse will do. She says, uh, it's easy enough for the lords of Shambhala to predict a golden age and the coming of a new and perfect race. But you and I know that when this new race arises, everything we hold dear, every precious memory, every awful fear, all that is blessed, imperfect humanity will fall into oblivion. Which I think is interesting. I mean, we've seen, we've seen Doctor Strange sort of take this tack before in talking about things. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know if you, if you if you remember way back to sort of that defenders part where they where they fought uh, Nebulon and Nebulon was sort of trying it was this alien guy who was trying to take over the human race and stuff by eliminating sort of the false um, some of the false emotions and bad things that humans hold on to and Doctor Strange sort of argued that this is what makes humanity great and then beamed like the whole history of human endeavor into Nebulon's mind and Nebulon was like oh geez, you humans are messed up, I'm out of here, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is sort of a similar attack that Doctor Strange has had, and because of that, because of... so He's, I, I guess, convinced by what Maya has said, he doesn't even try for the third part of the spell. Instead, he just kind of says, like, I can't do it, I can't do this massacre that would bring about a golden age. Instead, he says, I give up, and he walks away from the, uh, from the spell. But as he does... He feels power rise up within him. The ley lines flow. The power spots merge. And the spell is done. Uh Uh-oh. But what's interesting, I guess, is Doctor Strange now finds himself again among the Lords of Shambhala. And Doctor Strange basically has had an epiphany. He says, In my moment of surrender... All that I am dropped away, and I saw, no, was shown the truth you couldn't see, the truth even Maya was blind to. I saw that your ultimate cataclysm will take place not without, but within. The purge you foretold will occur in every heart. The fires you foresaw will burn in every soul. The golden age you predicted will come to each man in his own time. And Maya won't perish. No, our illusions will be the very means of our perfection. Which I think is, I don't know. I'm trying mm. to put my, wrap my head around it. Like, I've, I've read this comic like, like seven or eight times now. And this sort of, fi- and this sort of message of it is kind of hard to understand, I guess. I mean, of, I, I kind of get it. It's kind of like saying that, you know, there won't be this overall kind of golden age. But it will be like within each person as they realize it. Yeah, yeah, basically, and so, but the uh, the sham, the the sham, the, Matt, the the lords of Shambhala are not pleased about it. They start freaking out. They like they like they shout like we're flawed. There are masters far greater than we. They begin to uh, dissolve and eventually collapse in upon themselves. And Doctor Strange finally realizes that like the presence of the ancient one he felt was never part of the lords of Shambhala. Instead, mm-hmm. it was part of himself that he was feeling wait no sorry instead it was his sort of emptiness or something he's worried about it he returns to to the sanctum of the ancient ones and there he finds the glowing presence 
of not the ancient one, but Hamir, the ancient oh. one's old servant. And here's actually where we start getting word bubbles. Um, Hamir has square word bubbles, and Doctor Strange has circular word bubbles. And the two of them start talking, and basically we find out that Ham that while Doctor Strange sort of inherited the outer path of sorcery that the Ancient One possessed, Hamir inherited the inner path of service and self-effacement. And mm. so when the Ancient One died, he bequeathed his magic to Doctor Strange, but his spirit to Hamir. And so all of this has been sort of leading up to this moment where the two of them like sort of discuss this. And then as they take each other's hands, they seem to merge. They seem to at least temporarily merge together. Um, entwined with the Ancient One's uh, power and spirit, they become ba like they get like maybe a taste of that oneness to the universe that the Ancient One now possesses. They separate again, and Doctor Strange talks about how he's received a revelation, and though it's slipping away, he'll all he'll try at least to always remember. And that's kind of the end. It sort of says we are all lords of Shambhala if we choose to be, basically. Like, the power is, is within us if we embrace, um, you know, maybe selflessness or um, imagination and stuff. I think it's, you know, and that's kind of the end. It kind of fades to white. I think it's a really interesting story, I guess. It's, it's, it's kind of an inspiring message. Yeah. Um, and that's kind, of into, that, that's kind of it for, or that's the story for Into Shambhala, I guess. Mm. It's an interesting kind of philosophical message of this, um, you know, embrace the now and embrace magic and stuff i don't know oh um, yeah 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 and remember that we're all connected which is pretty i don't know kind of baseline stuff sometimes but it doesn't hurt to be reminded of it and well i don't know how good of a comic book it is the art is super amazing no Just, it's it's so great like it's got all these like sort of painted landscapes and pick and um characters and stuff and it's it's i i, I and it's pretty like easy to recommend i think the um I think the the way they tell the story, this sort of picture book, like just sort of a lot of text on the page, is mm -hmm. very hit or miss. I think for people, like yeah. it's definitely not a regular comic book, you know. No, it's it's not. And so, sort of be aware of that if you if you're interested and try to seek it out. Um, I, I would still say check it out. It's definitely a very different yeah uh, kind of story. Yeah, and I think. Dan Mateus is sort of an interest, or has a very different take on Doctor Strange too. Like especially in the early parts, where there's a lot of stuff about Doctor Strange's, um, like arrogance and um, like self, you know, self um, being really self superior and stuff. That I don't honestly know if it's super relevant for the for the Doctor Strange we're reading in the comics right now. But I feel like there's a point where this becomes very relevant for Doctor Strange, if that makes sense. No, it, it does. It and it like they're definitely. Even to, it, it's uh, even true to like uh, even more current Doctor Strange. Yeah, I think sort of there comes a point where they start trying to humanize Doctor Strange a little bit more, and then sort of him like arrogance is definitely if you're going to give Doctor Strange emotions, that's definitely the first one you're going to want to give him. I think because it makes yeah. the most sense. You know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely part of his background. It's always going to be part of him. So yeah, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, so awesome. I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. If you'd, if you'd like to contact us, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram 
by look by looking for Stranger by the Dozen or on Twitter at Stranger by the Twelve, and on our podcast site at Cradline.com. During the week, I'll definitely be sure to post a bunch of images from this issue so that everybody can see some of this awesome artwork. So keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcasting app. Podcatching app. Tune in next week as Doctor Strange con- confronts the realm of dreams, learns more about the mysterious new character Topaz, goes to a mystic tailor for cloak of levitation repair, and starts swapping bodies to better fight an interplanetary menace. Oh, and that uh, dude that was a reincarnated llama from a few episodes ago comes back, just FYI. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. Until then, faithful listeners, I say, Void. Form, time, ego, illusion, and behind it all, beyond it all, within it all, a power, a light, a presence. Stephen Strange melts away. Hamir melts away. Everything I see, everywhere I look, every soul entwined, every soul am I. Oh, call me parent, child, master, disciple, Maya, reality. I am the planner and the plan, creation and creator. Oh, I am. Remember, the golden age is now. Remember, we are all, each and every one of us, the lords of Shambhala. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.